Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey everybody, I'm back. It's time for another Sunday night. You know, we're into season two now. This is season two of the Brain Love podcast. I'm curious to see how long will I go? How long will I go talking about mental health matters, um, all mental health matters, and especially black mental health matters because we've ignored it for so long. There's nothing like two cousins who are very close in age and um, our first cousins. There's nothing like the conversations and the secrets that you share with one another about your lives, especially your personal romantic lives. This episode is an episode of my cousin and and me. My cousin is uh, Dr. H.K. Thomas. She was K. Banks, but um, unfortunately, she, as I did, as I did, um, she underwent a divorce and has um, returned to her her maiden name, which is the Thomas. We're a part of the Thomas lineage and a Thomas legacy, so I'm happy that she went back to her name as I did. So anyhow, you heard um, a couple of weeks ago, um, she and I spoke on my podcast. Yeah, it was two weeks ago about um, we we spoke. She took the couch with me, and she talked to me about her divorce experience and her marriage experience and the dating experience and the courting experience. You know, when you talk about divorce, you talk about all of those aspects of the other relationship. And so tonight you're going to hear my divorce story. Um, I was a guest on her podcast, which is coffee and divorce. And, um, she asked me a lot of questions as well. And these, these questions are pretty personal, man. Um, so we share a lot for the most part, we're pretty transparent. You know, no one can tell everything. You can't share everything with, um, with everyone. So this is from Coffee and Divorce Podcast. Um, I hope it helps someone. I hope it helps you to sort of, um, if you're in a situation where you're in a marriage or in a relationship where you're unhappy, I hope you help. I hope this helps you in making a decision. Um, if you're considering marriage, this should also help because it'll help you in um, identifying what's important, and also identifying if your relationship is in trouble. So are you ready to take the couch? All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coffee and Divorce Chat. I am joined today by none other than my cousin, who I talk about a lot in some of my episodes. So this is Kay, the host of Coffee and Divorce Chat, and I am pleased to bring Dr. Delvina Thomas, who is the host of her own podcast called Brain Love, and she's going to share, you know, I share that she's my cousin, but she's also going to share how we come to talk about divorce, her business, her practice, and how she tries to help clients uh, go through the divorce process, and also how you can follow her on Instagram, all of her social media channels, if you, in case you are looking for to utilize some of her services. So to get started, welcome, Cousin Delvina. Hey, 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 Kay. All right. I, almost I thought you were going to say... I almost said, are you ready to take the couch? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's what you always ask your clients, right? Your guests, you say, are you ready to take the couch? And then I always yeah. ask, like, what's in your coffee? And she doesn't drink coffee, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Not you anymore. Just... Yeah, I had to paint. I'm getting older. So that coffee was, uh, it was causing me to have reflux. So I had to, <laughs> I went to the GI doctor and he's like, look, and I knew, I, I know everything that's on the list that causes reflexes. I'm a physician, you know, and I talked to my patients about it. So I knew coffee, also alcohol, but I still drink alcohol here and there. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but yeah, but not drinking the coffee every day and espresso. I replaced it with matcha green tea latte instead. Y'all, a couple of weeks ago, we, we got a chance to see each other, and we hadn't seen each other in almost like a year and a half, like, see each other right in person. Right. And I'm curious about this matcha tea. Like, I, I have so many <laughs> stories about my cousin. I mean, we could just, her personal interest, <laughs> stop laughing, Delvina. But anyway, so I, I look over at her, like, we get, she's getting ready to leave, go out of town from doing her, her military duty. And I said, so what's that taste like? 
So she's like, oh, you know, it has a little bit, a little that. And I'm like, looking all curious, like, that still doesn't tell me anything. She goes, well, it kind of tastes like grass. I'm like, why would I want to drink something that tastes like grass? I'm like, I will stay right over here with this coffee. Yeah, it, I mean, not intensely like grass, but depending on where you get it from, some places, it can be a little intense. Uh, but it's more. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, funny, you thought that um, you were going to say, are you ready to take the couch? I thought you were going to call me by, in my family, um, amongst my cousins, I'm known as KK. And so I remember when my daughter first heard, I think, Devin, you said that one time on the phone, and and she's like, KK? Who's KK? I was like, oh, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> yeah, so, she's like, who's just knows you as K. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So she was like, who's KK? Yeah, let him know you are KK. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. So we got those formalities out of the way, and I'm pretty sure we'll have a, a um, other stories to share uh, with our listeners. But um, to get started, so going to have uh, Delvina, Dr. Delvina, if you wouldn't mind sharing your divorce story. I mean, you have, if my regular listeners, um, if you go back and listen to some of my my episodes, or if you're a new listener and I just share a lot of um, advice, and I'll just say it again in the in the presence of my cousin, but I've told her before that I just always appreciate that you show up as, as family. You show up as blood whenever I needed something through the process, but then also putting on your psychiatrist hat and saying, you need to go see a therapist. Are you doing this? Do you realize divorce is like this? And I think a lot of it also has to do with your own experience of going through this process. And um, and you co-sign on a lot of things that I'm experiencing right now with my daughter. And then also watching you raise an amazing young man. You know, her son is just doing some amazing things and, and balancing that co- co-parenting with his father. Um, both of y'all serving, you know, serving our country. So a lot of things to unpack there, but share your divorce story and, you know, how you how you made that decision to to divorce. I don't know if I really know that. I kind of know that part of the story. I remember visiting you when you when you turned 30. They all came to visit that weekend. And I remember the ex coming over to give his side of the story. And I was like, please don't. <laughs> like, like We all want to be cool with each other. Like, OK, no. But anyway, just share what you feel comfortable sharing with all of us. Yeah. OK. Um, so first, I want to say that our fathers are brothers. So we are truly first cousins um, and, you know, we grew up around each other, sort of, kind of. Her, your dad was military, too. You just mentioned yeah. Give a shout out to, to my ex and me. I almost said his name. I won't say his name for privacy reasons. Um, so, you know, when I got married, I thought I, I just knew this, this would let me let me stop because I almost just misconstrued the truth. I almost said I knew this would be forever, but. As I recall, there were red flags and I had misgivings. I was in college um, and this was really my first real boyfriend. And, you know, I fell in love with Tajay, that's my son. I fell in love with his father. And there were red flags and I chose to ignore them. And so when people say, well, I didn't see the red flags, I always say, yes, you did. I've been there, done that. You chose to ignore them. Um, and, and, And they do eventually. Um, submit and they say, you know what? You're right. I I did see them, and so that's the thing I teach um, I teach my my patients is don't ignore those red flags, man. Get who you truly want. So, anyhow, I got married young. We were young. He's two years older than I am. When I said I do, I was 20 and I turned 21 at the end of the month because we got married my birthday month. Um, and so you know the red flags. Um, I don't really want to put his business out there, out there like that, but I'll say he's not a good communicator. Um, he's easily angry. He gets angry easily, um, especially if you're not in agreement with his opinion, at least for me. He managed himself a little differently around um, his coworkers and other people, but for me, um, if I disagreed or I had a dissenting opinion, it was like I was being mouthy. He's from California, and he grew up around a lot of, of white people. Um, and so I don't think he really grew up being used to black women. Um, and, you know, black women, we got a lot of coffee, and sometimes there ain't no milk or no cream in that coffee. We're, we're going to give it to you strong. We're going to give it to you straight up the way that it is, and we're not going to sugarcoat it. 
Um, and, and so I say that to say this. I don't believe I was mildly. I, however, I am an assertive woman. And I've had my staff tell me that I'm assertive and I'm intimidating. I don't know why it could be because growing up, my father was a drill sergeant in the army, you know, when I was a little girl. Um, and my mother was very assertive. My father was an assertive type of person. So my mother spoke her mind. So, it, you know, your environment and how you're raised influences who you are as an adult. And so there are things that I have had to work on. So anyway, the bottom line is I got married young. We were not congruent. We weren't congruent in personalities. We weren't congruent in how uh, we saw life either. Because um, I'll, I'll give an example. When we were still married, you know, we were looking to move. We were looking for our home or whatever, our house. And I wanted to live near the water. I wanted to live on the water. And he didn't want to live on the water. He had no appreciation for the water. And I said to myself, how did I marry this jackass? As much as I love water, how could I marry this jackass? And there's someone listening is probably saying, you know, they're all concrete and they're listening to me. And they're like, oh, you're such a bitch. We, you know, he doesn't have to like the water. You should love him for who he is, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, this, you know, that's an exaggerated example. But that's just an example of you have to decide what's important for you. What matters to you? What matters for me may not matter for Kay. It may not matter for, you know, the next woman or the next woman or the next man. So you have to know what's important for you. And so moving along, we just couldn't communicate. You know, it would end in arguments. And I, and I say that I don't want to make it seem like the relationship was all bad. The sex was great. The sex was always great. And that probably had a lot to do with how I fell in love. I might have been whipped. I don't know. So, we, you know, we had a really good sex life. Um, and he's, he's a passionate person. You know, I said he didn't, he doesn't know how to, he didn't know how to communicate back then well. Um, and he was not um, good with, again, dissenting opinions. Um, but he, you know, he was a loving person. He showed a lot of affection. Um, so he was very affectionate. He liked PDA. I remember the first time he put his hand in my back pocket, my best friend, <laughs> Lizette, was like, oh, is he a white boy? That's a white people do. <laughs> he was. He was. I, yes, he was very. He had that. Y'all had that PDA vibe going on. Like, oh, from the outside yeah. looking in, it was like, I wouldn't say like necessarily relationship goals, but it was just like nice to see that. You know, yeah. to see that. And he liked holding my hand. He liked mm -hmm. holding my hand when we drove in the, in the car and stuff. So I think the biggest thing, the wedge, was um, the communication, which could be worked on, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then the anger management issues, which I guess is something that could be worked on. Um, and then the other, the third thing was um, he had inappropriate relations um, there were a few times when and my mother used to tell me, don't go looking for anything because when you go looking, you will find it. Mm -hmm. Whatever someone does in the dark, it will come to the light. And, and pretty much that's what happened. I mean, it wasn't meant for us to get married. And God showed me so many times before I said I do. Mm -hmm. And I said I do anyway because I wanted to force this relationship. And that's one of the things in my most recent podcast. I said, do not force a relationship. Don't do it. It never turns out the way you want it to. And even if you get the guy, it's not romantic. You're not in love. You're so damaged and you're so hurt from the past. It's a lot to overcome just to get the man. Why not be with someone who treats you perfectly, damn near perfectly from the very beginning? And I soon discovered Amen. that when I was a resident. So I graduated medical school. I started my residency. My, at the end of my first year of residency, one of my childhood friends got married. And I remember sitting in her, um, her, her wedding and her ceremony. And I said, you know, I want to marry someone that I don't have any misgivings about, that I don't second guess who makes me feel good all the time, consistently, who I can talk to and not have an argument. Like we were arguing. Yeah. And it was on that day that I said, I'm divorcing this mother effer. I really wanted to say the other word, but. <laughs> Keep it I'm somewhat clean. <laughs> I'm divorcing this mofo, this beat, beat, beat. And he was away at some kind of military training. And, and let me mention something about that. 
the, the boy was lazy. That was another, another thing. He was not like me. He wasn't a go-getter. He was lazy. He only wants to work his job, his nine to five, and that's it. Like, he would not hustle. Like, I was in medical, <laughs> medical school and had you a job hustling. at the lab in the yes. hospital, so we would have health insurance. Like, and I said, if I could be with someone who's similar to myself and wanting more out of life than a freaking nine to five in a, a house with a white picket fence, like, how far could we go? Um, and so that was the other thing. He was lazy, and my mother called it. She said he was lazy. I knew my mother knew what she was talking about. I didn't, I didn't argue her down about it or anything. I accepted it. I knew it. She said he was lazy, and he was lazy. So before that wedding, I was packing up our house because we decided, um, let's see. What, oh, yeah, we were moving out of one house to move into my parents. They, they um, had a house built, and we moved into their old house. So I'm packing everything, and he's not helping me pack. Oh, no, you know what? We were moving out of my parents' old house, and we I was looking for another place to live, so I was going to move in with my parents, and he was going away from military training. So I, I was packing everything up to sell the house. Yes. So, Mina, I did not know that story. I did not, because, you know, that's what my ex did, and that was kind of like that final story. I did not know that part of the story. Yeah, girl. So I'm packing what? up the entire house. This mother beep, beep, beep. Did not help me. He didn't help me pack a box. He didn't help me lift a box. He didn't help me. He didn't help me, okay? He didn't help. I did not know that. (laughs) He did not help. And you know what he told me? He couldn't help because he didn't want to injure himself before going away for training. And I said inside of my head, oh, I got something for your ass. (laughs) So I packed everything up, moved it into storage, and, you know, had my clothes and Tajay's clothing. We moved into my parents' home. And uh, I didn't want to tell him while he was away that I was leaving him because I didn't want to do that to him, right? Because see, we're always being considered of other people's feelings, although they don't think about us when they're making the decisions they need. Mm, always. So I told him when he got back. And the thing that helped me, the things that helped me that prevented me from changing my mind, because once I make a decision, that decision is it, that's it, it's I'm not looking back. Right. As one day I was coming, I, I was working on the military base and I was driving home. This is before I went to medical school. I had all these little juicy memories to hold on to, to use against him. And I saw him at the Chesapeake Bay, standing with a young lady, over looking out at the water like they were so in love. <laughs> I said, is that for, and I, I, so I spotted his car first. I said, that is that freaking, so I made a U-turn. Went over, drove, parked, looked in the car, saw a young lady's purse. I said, this, mm-mm. mm-mm. And I got that little sinking sensation in the pit of my stomach, you know, that you get. Yeah. And then I started walking around to see where they were. And there they were on the edge of the water, looking out at the water. So I won't He's even. He's fronting it like he likes the water. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> I won't even bore you with those details, but Yeah. So anyhow, when he came back, I said, hey, you know, this isn't working. I respect you as Tajay's father. We can be friendly to raise our son so we can co-parent. But I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. I'm very unhappy. You give me nothing to stay for. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you this dude was scorned, he was a man scorned. I mean, he did all kinds of stuff, trying to alienate my son from me, tried to make me Mm -hmm. like a whore. Um... Your mother's leaving us, is what he told my son. Who tells a young kid that your mother is leaving us? My son was like in third grade. So he's trying to traumatize our son because he has poor self-control and at the time had no emotional intelligence, right? Because if he had any emotional intelligence about himself, he would not, he would, he would not have discussed it with our son. Right, yeah, no. Just never. So he, he said, your mother's leaving us. Right. He was doing that to try to make me stay. Why do you want to force me to stay with you? So anyhow, he contested the wedding, I mean the divorce. And in Maryland, you have to be separated for a year if it's uncontested. If it's contested, you have to be physically separated for two years. Then you file. So this mofo made me wait two years to file. So I could not file for divorce until 2000. 2006 I filed in 2006 
and I didn't get a, a date in court until December 2000, 2006. Yes, I got my, my date in court, and it was just a room with a, a magistrate judge. I didn't want anything. I didn't want child support. I didn't want alimony. I could have taken half of his pension from the mm -hmm. military when he finally retires. I could have received alimony. The information I had from emails he left open, things mm -hmm. he left open on our shared computer, you know, the, inf the intel I had, I could have ruined mm -hmm. him. But I decided not to do that because I was so happy to be out of my relationship. And the way I looked at my son is, this is my son. My son's my love child. He's my love child. And so I, I just told Tajay's father, whoever is the absent parent will save money in a bank account for Tajay for college. Yeah. So if I have Tajay, you put money every month into his account so that he has this money for school. If you have them, then I do that. Girl, he didn't comply, mm. of course. And someone told me, that's your son's money. You should have got child support. Nah, I'm good. My son yeah. is well taken care of. I don't need no, no guy's money to take care of my child. And I didn't need his money for college either. Because so, it wasn't about that. Yeah it, yeah, it wasn't. And thank God I didn't need to rely on him. I know that sometimes that is the case. And I'm not... I'm not um, advocating for women not to receive child support, um, get child support. It's just what I chose not to do because I didn't want his money. I didn't want to be involved with him any more than I needed to. Mm -hmm. I didn't want the game. And, and with the military, the army will give you an allotment out of their check. But um, I, also, I also wanted to um, preserve the relationship between the ex and my son. Because the way he acted out towards me, I felt like he would act out on our son if he was paying for my son. Because yeah. that's how he would see it. I'm paying for our son. So I you like decided that. to leave. You know, you left. And so if right. you stay, then yeah. Mm -hmm. And you make a, a good point. Just You just made a great point, Kay. He blamed me. You left. Yeah. You, you left. left. Yeah. And he took no responsibility for anything. I think I think my ex does. I mean, you you know him really well or somewhat well, you know, through the years. And and I would he's never said anything like that, but he's done those. He's done some things that make me that I I caught early on that he blamed me and doesn't really take that responsibility from that. And I'm with you. So sometimes I'm an advocate for women to you know try and get some financial support. I think we were both you know we're both blessed to be able to exit out of a divorce, you know, out of a marriage, and be able to have support of family and things like that. But for the women who can't do that, for the men who can't do that, then definitely seek those resources for it. I appreciate you sharing your story. You know, there are things I learned new here and, and sharing that. I want to, I want you to go back and continue, but I just wanted to just pause and say, because so many times, like I shared with you and what we talked about, we think that we're so alone in this process that no one regrets, like no one wants to openly admit, I saw the red flags, but I still decided to get married. You know, I've noticed, and then when you can say that, you know, that's like acceptance, right? That's like accepting the situation, accepting this is where it needs to be. And then, and that's why I like having this, this podcast of having, and having guests like yourself on here that can be open and honest. So whoever's listening, whether you've gone through this process or you're going through it right now, that you feel comfortable and knowing that, yeah, there's someone's story that's just like mine, that I decided to, you know, to do this, or I stayed too long, or I, I did these things because so many times we hear that, oh, it's because of this, because of that. And sometimes it's just because we made a choice and we realized that that was not the right choice. And oh, by the way, she lives on the water now, <laughs> live on the water in Florida. So it's just, you know, really interesting when you when you share that was like, and now you live on the water and you enjoy it, you know, with with the water for that. What are some what are other aspects of your of your divorce story that you feel play into Kind of who you are now as a professional in your career um and you know really and as you you said something uh recently that you enjoyed a lot of great dates during this time that you're divorced and i think that another uh narrative or something we see out there is you get divorced and you're you're dating somebody and you're married in a year or two and it's almost like if you're still single after a year or two of being divorced then it was you, right? You know, there is something wrong with you. That's the reason why. And, and that's not necessarily true. 
um, you know, choose to be single and choose to do you. And it wasn't until you said that I was like, yeah, like I, I've enjoyed a lot of great dates in my two years post-divorce. It's challenging, but you know, anyway, but yeah, what, I mean, what are, what are some things that have played into kind of like who you are from your divorce story? Yeah. Um, no, I'll say that is the farthest thing from the truth that, oh, you're still single. So the problem must've been you. When you're still single, it's because I believe you have insight into relationships and you understand you must, you mustn't rush into the next thing. You got to give yourself time to heal. You have to give yourself time to process and understand. I've had plenty of time to heal. I mean, I got divorced in 2006 (laughs) and we were actually separated um, like two and a half years prior to that. Um, But I've just been enjoying myself and also not feeling like I want to settle. Um, and, and so, and, you know, I, I thank God all the time that I did not make poor decisions. Poor decisions like, okay, maybe he is okay to get married. Maybe I should marry him. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should listen to him and get married. Or maybe I should listen to him and, um, and have a baby, you know, because I've mm-hmm. been in relationship with guys who wanted a baby out of wedlock. Um, and you're like, and not, not here. <laughs> yeah, and not saying anything against someone who is in a relationship and they never get married and they have a baby. I'm, you know, um, everyone, you do your own thing, whatever, but it's it's not for me. Um, and so you asked me what did I learn through the process of divorce that I guess plays out in my current life or current situation? Yeah, how do you, I mean, I know some things I think, and I think everyone could kind of get an idea. Um, we talk being a communicator and finding someone similar to yourself. Those are key things. And I do want to, I'm going to put a plug in later, but definitely go and listen to that episode, Dear Ladies. That is the episode that she's talking about that she provides some really, um, I think out of all of your episodes, I mean, I have some favorites from your podcast, but that is probably one and maybe because it just resonates with me because I'm kind of going through that right now. But that's one of the one of the best ones, I think, that you that I enjoy for your podcast. I've shared it with some friends oh. and they and they like it. But yeah, and I think that when I listen to that, to me, it sounds I hear Dr. Delvina Thomas, but then I also hear a woman who has experience in the season and knows this and is saying, This is this is how you can do this and you can be rewarded when you do this. And so that's why I asked that question about what is your divorce? What did your divorce story kind of teach you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've, you know, my parents taught me growing up, my dad used to always say, you don't know how to communicate. If we couldn't say <laughs> something properly and, and convey um, what, what it is we were trying to describe or whatever, I can't read your mind. Talk to me. I'd hear him tell my mother that. Um, and so it was impressed upon me at a young age that I needed to learn how to listen and listen empathically and listen in, in intentionally. Um, but also to be able to, to, um, to verbally describe my thoughts. So, and I realized early on with Tajay's father, how essential communication between two people, how essential it is. So yeah, that was definitely one thing. The reciprocity, I talk about reciprocity and dear ladies, reciprocity is something, I'm an overgiver probably. Um, you know, I I've, I've, was the child, I'm, I'm the youngest of two older brothers. Um, whenever I went on field trips, I spent my, the money my parents gave me for the field trip, I spent it on my brothers and my parents, buying mm-hmm. them, yeah, buying them little things to, to bring back home. Um, everyone got gifts for me at Christmas growing up until I, I learned better, you know, <laughs> until I got older and realized Christmas ain't about giving gifts, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't wait for Christmas to give gifts. So reciprocity was always something um, that was akin from that to me. So reciprocity wasn't anything I learned in a relationship or from the divorce. I would say probably the biggest thing was the communication and um, the appreciation for being congruent, equally yoked, um, being with someone who is like you who's very similar to you. Obviously, there's going to be some dissimilarities. Everything's not going to be exactly the same, nor do you want it to be that way. But you, as I said in the beginning, you have to think about what the most important things are to you. My mother used to call me a free spirit. 
um, for anyone to be with me, they have to be able to handle that, that, that I may want to leave and go somewhere by myself. I may want to drive somewhere alone. I may want to fly somewhere alone. Um, that is, you know, I'm in my, what's that? I said, that is you. <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't want, I don't want a house and a white picket fence where we live for 30 freaking years or 40 years or 50 years until we both die. I don't want that. I want to travel the world. I want to backpack the world. I don't want to, I, I just don't see myself staying put or being in the same place for years. You know, ask me how many times have I moved since I moved to South Florida? Like my son used to look at me like, oh my God, is it time to move again? Because <laughs> I want to see things. I want to live in different places. I'm not ready to leave South Florida yet, but since we've been here, we probably initially when I came, he wasn't with me. So he was spared a couple of moves, but I've probably, I've probably moved like six, seven times, eight times. And I've been here 14 years in July. I didn't realize you moved that many times until we were talking about it one time, but I like your free spirit. Um, and to me, you call it free spirit. I call it independent, you know, and not waiting. And I think it's just because, you know, my mom talked to your mom a lot. Like, I think my mom loved Darlene and, um, and she always dropped some wisdom or knowledge of like, you know, that Darlene had said or something like that. But I think that, um, I don't know. I, it just, I think we were, we were kind of raised like that. You know, I've talked about that before in terms of like, we were raised by women who told us to go out there and, and get to the degree and, and enjoy life and, and do those things. And, and, um, and I don't know, like, so when I see the travels that you've done solo and with friends and things like that, but definitely solo, I'm like, yeah, that's my cousin living her life, you know, not letting, you know, anything stop you at all, especially let alone a divorce, you know, yeah. for that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You got to get out there and live, man. I would have been in Africa by myself had Tajay not acted <laughs> to go. Yeah, I was going to go to Africa by my lonesome. I know. We went to Italy. I knew, like, you know, talking about the divorce. I think I've shared this story on my podcast before, but having, having the opportunity to go to Italy, everybody thinking that I'm going to go with my ex-husband. I mean, even his his family from the country, like, I can't believe you're not, <laughs> not going to go. And he was just... You know, that was like my, I mean, my best thing, if you like my heart, it was no infidelity, but it was just the realization of like, we are not on the same page. But, yeah. um, but just recently I shared that part, you know, on the, not an episode, but I put on my IG post about that train ride <laughs> from Rome down to the Amalfi coast. Cause we were trying to decide where are we going to go? Florence to go buy leather. <laughs> versus oh I remember we missed the stop the first time we missed the stop. <laughs> Yo, we're on the train. We're like, and also we we keep saying country, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, give us all this, yeah, all this luggage. Two two black females, you know, rolling through luggage. But um, but when we finally got settled, finally that was a that was a great idea to go to Malfi Coast because we had two choices, and you're like, you know, since we're here, let's do this. And I was like, yeah, some of my research is in the southern part of Italy, so yeah, let's go down here. I like to see what our students experience. But um, but that's what I first said, you know, and it my was, life is falling it, apart. It was so beautiful. Oh, my God. It was so beautiful. And I'm like crying. <laughs> yes, man. That was the best. One of the best trips ever. That's that's one of my best trips. Thank you for inviting me on that trip. Oh, always, always. Because, you know, when you said backpacking, we were going to, you know, that was an idea that we have. We're about for our listeners. We're about a year, year and a half or something each difference between between the two of us. And so I had this idea, oh, let's backpack, let's go to Europe, you know, after we graduate from college. We were okay, let's go back to Germany because you were going to go back to Germany. Germany. And I lived, yep. you lived there, I lived there. And we said we would go back when we got older. Instead, we did one better. No, we Italy. didn't. But we had some good, we had breakfast in Munich <laughs> on the flight. Oh, so yeah. there, yeah. yeah, there. But um, so this is, you know, for my list, this is the person that um, when we talk about how family can sometimes understand or cannot understand or your tribe, if you can have someone that understands and checks in and um, checks in with you, I, I do like so your your brain love podcast in your company. So she's a boss, y'all. You got to tell people what you do. So like so as I'm like, you know, upset about Delvin was, Dr. Delvin was one of the first people I said, this is what's going wrong in my marriage. Like, I, I don't even know where to even start. Um, and as we kind of talked it through and some other things like that, but I remember 
on the sands in Postiano. Um, you know, on the sands of Postiano, we were planning out our, our, our dreams and goals. I had just gotten promoted at the university. You were um, shared, you know, you're getting ready to buy this building and had this idea for this business and what it was going to look like. And um, so um, she's a boss. So tell us about your company, your business and how it services clients. Um, because I do have some listeners in the in the South Florida area. And so just give some insight on that, because what you're what you do is almost like this holistic approach, serving the whole person and the different um, options that people can can uh, receive from your company from your business. Yeah. Um, so I had this idea about seven years ago to to leave the Federal Bureau of Prisons, which is where I worked when I came out of residency. And I wanted to um, create something that I would like that um, that would strike my fancy that, you know, I would walk into and feel like, oh, I want to be here. Um, you know, I'm into colors and aromatherapy and um, decorating, not like decorating where I think I can be like my own interior designer, but I have, you know, images inside my head of how things should look. So anyway, and I wanted to do something in the community for black people, for minorities, because mental illnesses in the black community is, um, it's such a challenge. The stigma is so much greater amongst our, our people. And we didn't have providers. Um, we don't have a lot of mental health professionals um, providing care for, for our own people. So when it started out, it was just myself and a part-time psychiatrist and a couple of administrative staff. Um, and I was very scared. Um, shout out to Carter Wiggins, who's a licensed clinical social worker in Miami. He is actually the person who said, just jump out there and do it, what you're scared for. It's, you know, <laughs> just do it. And I, because I, I didn't know, I didn't have another psychiatrist mentoring me or no one who was running their own private practice telling me how to do stuff. I had no idea how to do anything. And when I say wow. how to do, I mean, in setting up the office, I just did everything. <laughs> I just figured it out, like, you know, trying to figure out what phone system to install, um, how to get a fax, what type of fax to use. A co I mean, everything down to just every little detail, you know, where to run the practice from, how to apply and get on insurance panels and setting up the bank account and, you know, setting up the deposits with the, the panels and all that stuff. So whatever, that was seven years ago. You teach yourself, you read, you learn, you ask questions, you be, you be attentive, you know? And so, um, uh, about three and a half years into it. Actually, I'm sorry, after a, a year and a half, I said to myself, I want to find a place and, and purchase a place. I want to buy a place. I don't want to pay rent for 20 years to a person, and I never own any part of that property. And so I had a three-year lease um, on the first office. And once I got into the second year, I started looking for places and I came into Broward County, which is where I'm located now, Fort Lauderdale. I was in Miami-Dade, and then I started looking north. Um, and I really like Broward. It reminds me a little bit of back home of um, DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And it just it was just more scenic, um, just more picturesque, some areas, um, soothing. Because in Dade, you know, it's um, it's a lot of city stuff, a lot of cement, um, a lot of big buildings and yeah, the ocean is there too. We're on the coast, but it's very expensive to to have an office on on the beach or on the coast. Um, so I came to Fort Lauderdale, and um, you know, there's a whole story with how I got with my realtor. That was a, a story in itself. But someone told me about this black male realtor, and so I called him up because you know I was trying to support black-owned business, and I've been using him ever since. You're laughing. What you laughing for, girl? Because I know some good stuff. <laughs> Yeah. So, oh goodness, he's good. He's good people, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, man, um, the first realtor I was with is a black female, and uh, I don't know what her problem was, man. We had to. She and I had a conversation about it. She apologized, but she was something else. That was you being assertive. <laughs> I, I had to fire her. I didn't. I, she, you know, I had to fire her, and I found him, and I was, I was thankful I found him because he's done, uh, he's done so many deals for me, commercial and and you know, um, 
personal real estate, private real estate or whatever, residential, excuse me. So anyhow, we've grown to, um, we have two main offices in Fort Lauderdale. One is the private practice where we do med management and psychotherapy and the other office is our, our wellness spa where we do massages and facials and we just hired, um, well, not hired, but we're partnering with a young lady who has her own company. She's a black female. Um, she does uh, tattoo brows, and so she is using my space, and she's on our nice. website, yep, on the um, DRT Wellness Spa website. And, um, and so we try to do a lot of different things because we realize mental health treatment is very complicated. Everyone is not going to respond to a pill, and really statistics show when you're treating major depression, less than 50% of people, um, their uh, depressive disorder, less than 50% of people with depression um, remit. The illness mm -hmm. remits in less than 50% of people with medication treatment or medications. So you need more than just medicine. You got to have psychotherapy as well, but sometimes people don't connect well in psychotherapy. So then you need other options too. Sometimes maybe people are having stress and they need a massage. Maybe they need a nice facial, someone to massage the, the muscles in their face and pop their pimples, you know, <laughs> those things are, they're holistic approach. Yeah, all of the all of those things, just alternative interventions. We have a line of CBD gummies. Um, we also do medicinal um, cannabis certifications um, in the state of Florida. It's legal now to prescribe medicinal cannabis for certain health ailments. So um, it's about 18 of us admin and clinical staff. Um, there's 11 clinicians, and then the rest are wellness people, the wellness spa folks, and then the administrative staff. So we try to, everyone who works on the DRT team, um, we have the same philosophy. You know, we're pro-black, uh, we're pro-people, but especially pro-black, and we're pro-brain. Um, we all have a respect and understanding for the brain and, and helping people so that people have less mental pain, less anguish, and that they, they feel good about living. I hate to hear when someone says they wake up every morning and they just wonder why God allowed them to wake up. Mm -hmm. you know, why is that a thought? I get that we're here on earth just temporarily and this is a punishment, but while you're here, make the most of your time. Experience, have experiences, enjoy life, have fun. There's just too many things in this world that Amen. people can do to remedy how they feel, you know, and I always encourage people, if you don't like what's happening in your life, consider moving, consider going somewhere else, you know, maybe move to another country, have an experience in another country. So, you know, people got to be ready for change. Yeah. Fear holds a lot of people back. And then of course, you know, there's some other things that come with it. Even if you can't, and we talk about taking care of yourself and, and, and moving forward and trying to do that, make sure you subscribe to the brain love podcast. So that is the podcast and it's DRT Wellness Center. They're on Instagram as well. You can see all the services that Dr. Delvina has shared, shared with us. You know, so how do you try to also a new thing? So you're my second guest that's going to um, get asked this question. But how do you try to connect, um, uplift, pay it forward? You know, basically not just fill your cup, but how do you try to fill someone else's cup? Yeah, I try to be a mentor. Um, to folks, you know, I may not be an exclusive mentor for many, but I try to help. You know, I get a lot of emails and DMs asking questions from men and women, and, and I respond. I respond uh, to as many as I can. I call people, you know, when they reach out to me um, because it, no one is above the next person. I don't care who you are. Um, and the same way God giveth, God taketh. So, I feel like I have to, to share the gifts that God has given me. I have to share with other people. Um, and also just through the talking and the education um, on social media and sharing information. When something, when I feel something in my spirit, I have to, I have to share it. Um, and I share it because I want it to help another person, even if it helps one person. You know, that's enough. That's one person who has received help or has additional information they didn't have previously. So sharing as much as I can. Um, I try to help people who have fundraisers. I try to financially help when I can. Um, and really the biggest thing is sharing information and sharing my time and volunteering as much as I can as well. I mean, that word reciprocity, 
really is 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 the main thing that should be the main the main thing in everyone's life is thinking about reciprocity and you know that old do unto others as you would have them do unto you I agree. You know, I do research on social capital and social networks and reciprocity is one of the concepts, the ideas in, in, in a network, you know, be able to exchange, exchange information. And we see it if, you, if people just take when people ask me, like, what does that mean? Like, you know, and talk about social capital and things like that. You just take a minute to think about who's in your network. You know, so we're talking about if you're going through divorce or you're a divorcee, you may not think that there's people or resources in your network, more than likely there are. And if there aren't, if there aren't any, then almost kind of doing like what, um, what you just said, Delvina, teach yourself, learn, ask questions. You know, um, you can apply that to anything, but definitely, definitely when you're going through this process, if you just kind of, there's a moment of, yes, we have to sit and go deal with the feelings and things like that, but you just can't let it take over. And the, even after you're going through divorce in that post-divorce life, like you just can't just, just can't, you know, have that moment, but you just can't let it yeah. take you down to the point of you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can't see your future, your goals, whether it's you as a single person or with your child or something like that. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of divorces say they do things for their kids. If you don't have kids or kids are older, then do it for yourself. Yeah. You know, want to have that life for yourself. And you got to have that faith too, man. That's where faith comes into oh, yeah. is believing that things will get better. Breakups are hard to do. Breakups are a challenge. And, you know, the times I, I think prior to my current uh, boyfriend, I had two previous guys that I, I dated very regularly and considered, you know, like a boyfriend. And um, in both of those relationships, I thought, like, how is this going to end? You know? <laughs> What's, what's going to cause a breakup? Um, and so when it happens, so you let it go and, you know, you may cry, you may be hurt, but you allow yourself to grieve the loss and you just keep telling yourself it'll get better. And you start to think about, you force yourself to think about other things. So I'm saying that because I know that's the thing about divorce and you mentioned post-divorce, that pain and that hurt that you feel when it's over. Because um, both parties hurt. The party who... Um, was ousted <laughs> or cut loose, you know, um, and then the person who left the relationship, both parties are, are hurting. Um, and it can be a challenge to start over and, and just to start a new chapter, a new life. But you just have to have faith. I just always have faith that this too shall pass and I'll be fine. I'll, this, this is good for me. This is, this is a challenge. I'll overcome the challenge. So having that faith is essential. Yeah, I like in your, um, I would definitely agree with that. And I like in your last, in your recent episode, you talk about, you know, just not chasing, being uh, being aware. And I think you could add like even almost not repeating mistakes from previous relationships, mm -hmm. you know, as we as we kind of sit and wait and, and, and instead yeah. of chasing somebody down and, you know, just kind of paying attention. Also reciprocity when it comes back to the man, you know, so speaking to women and want to do certain things and. Oh, that would be a nice day when that comes comes full circle for me around this way. But, you know, and it will, we'll it will, it will. I mean, it, you know, it took for, it's just like from my situation, it took. Well, let's see. I got divorced. I said in 2006, this is 15 years later. And I feel like I finally found. I got me 15 years, Delvina. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, everyone heard this. Anything that I heard, I was, all heard my cousin said, 15 years, okay, uh, so that means I'll be like 60. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't have to wait 15 years, no. You know, and so here's the thing, and this I'm is what I tell women. <laughs> and this is what I tell women, though, when they're choosing to stay in relationships they know they have no business in, I tell them, you are wasting your time, and he's distracting you from the real man who's meant for you. Oh, definitely that. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and the thing is, the person I'm, I'm with now is we were, he moved here in two, 2007 as well. We both moved to South Florida in 2007. He came in January. I came in July. I didn't know but that. We never, oh. yeah, we never, never I, I never met him. I don't think I was ever even in the same room or, you know, whatever. Um, but that's just how life, how life works. You will not yeah, have to wait 15 years. Um, I'm, I'm, no, I'm patient. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm patient, but I'm just like, 
Yeah, no, no, no. You will not have to wait 15 <laughs> years. Not at all. So I say that to say this, but don't stay in relationships that you know are not healthy for you or you're yeah. not feeling. Don't force it. Don't stay because it's true. You're distracted by that. As I was distracted by some of the relationships, I knew I wasn't feeling. The last person I, I dated um, for like two years or whatever, long distance, I was not feeling that relationship. I didn't want it. And I and I, I allowed him to make me feel like, why don't I want to be in this relationship? Mm -hmm. I should want this. He's okay. He's all right. You know, I made myself accept the situation where I should have just said no. I'm typically this, and that's unlike me. It's very mm -hmm. unlike me. But I think it, that, that was a time in my life when I felt like maybe I need to settle down. Um, but it was never a relationship. So that's why it was easy for me to walk away from it, too. Like, okay, this is this has ended. It's a wrap. <laughs> Definitely true. You know, no, I, I patience is a virtue and, and I'm gaining more of it. And, um, and I, too, can say, you know, I have my moments, but... Um, and some of you said something in that episode that resonated with me, like, you know, just because someone responds to you doesn't mean that that's the relationship you need to be in, you know? So, you know, unless, and when, the, when it's not given back reciprocity, you know, when it's not given back, when the feelings, the actions are not, and I'm huge on someone's actions. And um, recently someone reached out to me, he's like, I hadn't heard from you a couple of days. I was like, I hadn't heard from you in a couple of days. That's right. Right, so, you know, respond back and then I had to tell the person like, mm, I'm actually, you know, when I, you're great to, you know, talk to you, but, you know, it was just like one of those things like, really? Like, you know, it is what it is. And uh, yeah. But anyway. And I want to emphasize just one last yeah. thing to the ladies. When a man wants you, he will make you feel so secure. Mm -hmm. You will not have to question whatever. You won't question what he does because he'll make you feel like you don't have to. You don't need to. So you'll know you're in the right place because he has provided that mental and physical security. He takes care of you in all those aspects. When you're out with him, he's observing the environment. He's keeping you safe. He might even be, you know, he might even be packing. Um, and so, and then there's the mental aspect. He's, he doesn't want you to feel like he's doing anything wrong. He's going to ensure you know things. He's going to keep you in the loop when it comes to certain things. If, a woman approaches and, you know, he's not going to make you ask him, well, who was that? Or what was he's going to tell you? Oh, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But he's going to make you feel secure. A man who's not giving you that physical and mental security may not be the right fit for you. Yeah, I would agree. Because I've had I've had like one part of something like that. Then you don't have the other aspects. You're like, no, this is not working. And sometimes you've, you know, you've had, I think I've had like two parts of something like that and not all the aspects of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you almost have to be real. Like, what did you really enjoy about that person? Just be real about it. If you enjoy the sex, hey, it was, it is what it is. Or if you mm -hmm. enjoyed the conversation, but you weren't getting anything else out of it. And I think even that too, that's what I'm starting to recognize. Conversations with people are great, are good, but sometimes that too can take up your time your energy mm, and yeah. you have to say, where is this going? And not that I'm going to stop talking to you, but I probably won't be talking to you as much as you're trying to take up my time. Yeah. They're energy. a distraction. They're a distraction. Mm -hmm. As I was saying, you could be focused on something else. They're distracting you from the man who's meant to be in your life. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. All right, people, we have come to the kind of close of, of our episode. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cousin Delvina. Thank you, Dr. Delvina Thomas, for joining. Um, and no talk of coffee too much on this on this episode, but definitely some gems drop, you know, just acknowledging and accepting um, of, of your situation and also just you know, your divorce, looking at this process is giving you insight into what you probably will want in your future relationship, whether you're, you know, this is advice for anybody, man or uh, man or woman, that using this time to heal, using this time to get to know yourself and also and um, teaching yourself. I like I like that comment that you made. Teach yourself, learn, ask questions, you know, um, and that. You know, looking, looking for that, having that when you have that insight and use the insight from this process, then it can help you out. Because um, I talk about relationships, not just with, you know, someone from the opposite sex, but just with family, with friends, 
you know, that's that's the part of my uh, my divorce that I, I realized that need to be worked on of of being married to someone that was not that communicator and being quiet and things like that. I remember sitting in a meeting at the university thinking, I feel so dumb at this moment because we had stopped talking to each other and there was no conversation in the house at all, like outside of anything with our child. And I thought, I need to start. I wasn't reading. I was, I lost all the things I love to do. And I, I immediately got, went on New York times and, and started ordering, you know, the, the New York times to be delivered. I remember when it started coming in the Sunday paper, he was like, you order New York times. I'm like, yeah, like I need to read. Like, it was just, I had lost that one component. I'm like, I got to get this back because just because you're choosing not to have these conversations with me and um, doesn't mean that I, I'm going to, you know, continue on that, but definitely wow, just profound. Yeah. I, Girl, you know, there is some, but you know, you always, you dropped um, advice that Darlene um, shared and I never get my mama shared something very similar to kind of like what Darlene said that at least that whatever happens in your house is your house and no one's going to understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's your truth, what you went through and you don't have to explain yourself. And I think that to kind of close out, you know, I, the things that you share about your life, like on this episode and also in your podcast, I don't think you're, you're not explaining and you're not looking for validation from anybody. Like, this is why I went through it. These are some facts. These are some things you need to go to. This is how you can help, you know, especially those targeted episodes where I can tell something's on your mind. You feel like people need to know outside of the health and the wellness uh, tips and guidance that you provide your listeners. But those topics that are just like, yeah, this is life. This is how it happens. Whether it's about Black Lives Matter, whether it's about dealing with trauma from that, raising your kids and, and things like that. You can hear mm-hmm. that. And um, and so when we're sharing your story or when you this is for our for, you know, for my listeners, when you're sharing your story and you're you're owning your narrative, don't feel like you're you're explaining why you got a divorce or or that process or things like that. You know, if, if you think that you're doing that to somebody, then that's maybe not the person you need to be sharing it with. And that's just my two cents. If, if you feel like you are rationalizing, writing a paper about it, you might need to pause and say, why do I feel like I'm having to explain myself to right. somebody? Right. Yeah. You know? And like you said, family is important when you're going through that process. So hopefully you have someone who is understanding and gives you that support. My mother was that person for me. My father was, oh, you can't get divorced. Oh, my God. What did <laughs> the family say? And I was like, okay, whatever. Bye. <laughs> but yeah. You need that support, people who will understand and, um, you know, and not question your your motives and not encourage yeah. you to stay. Yeah, exactly. Because that definitely happens sometimes. All right, then. So, Dr. Delvina, please tell people how they can find you. It's going to be in the um, on the Instagram post and putting it out there. But just let folks know that are listening. How, the, how can they find you? You can follow me on Dr. Delvina. It's D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A. That's V as in Victor. Um, that's on Instagram, also on Facebook. I did have a Twitter, but Twitter has suspended my account about a month or so ago. <laughs> so what you do? I, yeah. So, yeah, on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Delvina. And I have a YouTube channel also. It's Dr. Delvina Thomas. And that's Delvina with E's, no I's. And, and Dr. Thomas, the other Dr. Thomas, the Dr. <laughs> K. Thomas, has mentioned the podcast, it's The Brain Love Podcast, and it's on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google, and hopefully it will be on Pandora soon. There you go. All right, then, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please do not exit out of this episode. Stay tuned for just a few seconds so you can look, so you can hear on how you can promote, share your feedback, and give me a star rating. Take care, everybody. Well, that's another episode, y'all. Um, you know, of course, this was pre-recorded, as I stated before. It was recorded for Dr. K. Thomas for her podcast, Divorce and Coffee Chat. Um, so if you notice at the end of this, I, I said hopefully it'll be on Pandora soon, as in the Brain Love Podcast. It is now on Pandora, so you can please take 10 minutes and go on Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, and um, Apple Podcasts and pull up the Brain Love Podcast and subscribe on all of those platforms and do a rating on one of those platforms. You don't have to do a rating on all. Do a rating on one. And once you do your rating, screenshot the rating and DM me on Dr. Delvina on Instagram, which is D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A. 
and I will send you a free gift from our wellness spa in the mail. How about that? For you taking your time and giving me, giving me your honest opinion about the podcast. I can do that. It's summertime. It's almost summertime. So, yeah, that's not a hard thing. But thank you for following and listening. Um, for those of you who have been with me since day one, and even newcomers, I really appreciate your time and your attention and lending me your ear, guys. And I'll be back again next Sunday for another episode. All right? Brain love. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need It's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.